Welcome to Ask an Innovator, where we interview senior executives about innovation. You can find us at askaninnovator.com or subscribe with your favorite podcast app. I'm your host, Josh Barker, CEO of City Innovation Labs. I have with me today Jabron Hachik and from Parsons. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's today going to talk to us about innovation. So welcome, Jabron. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So um, today we're just going to be talking about uh, some smart mobility stuff. That's a fascinating mm-hmm. topic. So um, yeah, first I want to just start with, so what to you is innovation? Uh, innovation to me really is about when you focus on the adjectives rather than the nouns of a solution. And it's something that we see in transportation all the time. I've been in uh, transit planning for over 20 years now. And in a lot of public meetings, when you talk about light rail, when you talk about a new CTA extension, there's always one guy who stands up and says, well, have you looked at monorails? And we're not gonna get into the many reasons I'm not a fan of monorails, but the point is people have a noun in their head and they've already decided what the answer is. Now, if you talk to that person and say, okay, why do you like monorails? Well, because they're clean, they're fast, they're efficient. Okay, well, if I can give you something that's clean, fast, efficient, and does the same job, do you need a monorail? And you can usually get Mm. folks to say, all right, maybe that's not the answer. But that's what we see in terms of transportation planning, is there's a fixation on nouns because people want something that they can focus on, that they can get in their heads. But if you really want to innovate, you have to really focus on what that problem set is, rather than, all right, we need high-speed rail, we need a hyperloop, mm-hmm. we need flying cars. It's all right, what do you want those things to do, and is there another way to do that? Mm. That's a really good way of looking at it, rather than, I think you're right, and a lot of people go right to the solution, rather right. than staring at the problem, right? Mm-hmm. They, they say, Let's, this is the solution to everything, rather than saying, well, like you, you identified something cheap, something fast, something very, uh, Non doesn't have pollution and all sorts of stuff. So starting with the 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 problem set in mind versus the solution. So exactly, and we find that a lot when you talk about public infrastructure. Uh, people with good reason have very strong opinions about things, and so when you frame a study up where it says right in the study name what the solution is, the high speed rail study, right. the red line extension, okay, right there in the title, you've already made assumptions as to what's going to work best, mm. and you've already lined up your opposition to say, well, I don't like trains, I don't like transit, I'm scared of new technology, mm. as opposed to saying, all right, what are we trying to accomplish with this thing? If you tell people that, okay, you don't like the train on this street, well, I need to move 20,000 people a day. So option one is this train. Option two is I can knock out every building on the other side of the street and add a lane. All right, that's going to change the conversation. So so it really does kind of help to, especially what we're seeing now with smart mobility, is really people able to think of what's the end game? What are we trying to achieve with this? Rather than locking onto that Mm. noun out of the gate. what I talk about a lot is that when I first began my career, at no point did my advisor say, you know what, you got to figure a way to use your cell phone to catch a ride with total strangers. Mm. Uh, again, there was no noun for right. that. It's right. only till we got to Uber, till we got to Rideshare. That was through a process of asking the question of what are right. we trying to accomplish here? So, right. 
to me, that's what innovation is all about. Mm, yeah, no, that's good. And and what maybe you can help our listeners if they're unfamiliar with Parsons. Sure thing. What is their kind of vision, and what what are you looking to do at Parsons? Sure thing. So I think the best way to frame Parsons a bit of background. So Parsons has been around for seventy five years, mm -hmm. and a lot of what we're known for is traditional, what's known as just architecture, engineering, construction type work, but. Back to the idea of you don't frame it in terms of a noun, you focus on what are you trying to capture. We are focused on infrastructure, and that's not only the physical, but that's also the digital side mm -hmm. of it. So if you look at a lot of the work that comes out of our offices in Centerville, our, our Colorado Springs office, a lot of that is focused on providing security solutions mm -hmm. uh, for the defense, intelligence, and government agencies, federal agencies. That's all about infrastructure. And when we start talking about smart cities and smart mobility, that's the big challenge we see is that we have innovators and disruptors coming to the market who are not necessarily understanding or concerned with the impact that they have both on the physical infrastructure we have, but then there's this whole issue of digital infrastructure. One of the first autonomous vehicle companies I talked to in my current position, uh, they're not interested in connected vehicles and the way they say is that every connection's a vulnerability to mm. us. So we look at it that way. We try to look mm. at the fact that when we talk about infrastructure, when we talk about the types of world we're trying to build, which is what Parsons does, we build cities from the ground up. Right. And while people know us for the concrete and steel, now we are getting much more into the ones and zeros of it to, mm. so that we can really help our traditional clients understand how they need to be looking and how they need to be evolving with the different technologies coming out right mm. now. And, and how has that really, I mean, how has that changed the, the market? How has that changed Parsons' view on things? I'd imagine you mentioned Uber. Oh, yeah. That probably completely changed the game for you guys and how you look at things. Absolutely. And I think that really kind of gets to the core of what's happening right now is that I, I talk about the dynamic of citizens and consumers can be the same person, but they have two very different philosophies is what they're going to get. Mm. And so a citizen believes that when they pay taxes, all right, these are all the things I should be getting for that money. I shouldn't have to pay any more for it and you don't need my data, you don't need to get into my privacy issues. Whereas a consumer is going to be willing to make different trade-offs based on who they think they're working with. Um, Uber is a good example of what's happening in the market right now, which is, and back to this question of focus on the adjectives rather than the nouns. There are cities that still have mobility needs and the traditional ways of handling that has been, all right, let's look at more buses, let's look at more trains, let's look at more roads. Well, if you look at the funding mechanisms that are in place right now, both from the federal government, local, people aren't as willing to provide the money necessary to maintain the systems and the cities we have. But there's still this demand out there. Mm. So Uber is an example of someone that's taken what used to be traditionally a public sector role and say, all right, how can we reimagine re hmm. that? And it is having a dramatic effect on the transit systems we're seeing. We are seeing ridership declines in majority of cities right now. Uh, varies by mode, but nonetheless, it really is becoming a tremendous challenge. Hmm. It's also a tremendous benefit though, because back to can we think about how we're reframing the solution rather than thinking in terms of traditional regional transit plans, corridor studies. Can we start to ask that question of what are we trying to do here? And does it have to be a bus? Does it have to be a train? Does it have to be a monorail? 
can we be more flexible in how we look at the study? And so I think that's the evolution we're seeing in a lot of agencies. Some are starting to embrace this and have offices of innovation to help them pilot this and get their own people used to thinking about things in these terms. Uh, but still we have that challenge that it's like, it's very difficult to evolve within the yeah. public sector. That's no one's fault. It's you want your government to not run like a startup. You don't you <laughs> right. don't want to find out that the traffic signal I put out there today is like, whoops, well, there's a bug in that version. <laughs> and we're just going to shut down Chicago right. for the next three days. Don't worry about it. We got this. So, right. Right. Uh, so it requires a different mindset. And so it's it's interesting times, to say the least. Mm. No, that's good. So how. How are you and how is Parsons reacting to some of this innovation and what are some challenges you guys are working through? Um, what are some things you're seeing and how, do, how are you looking to innovate and adapt to this new way? You know, you just mentioned we didn't we couldn't even conceive of, you know, monorail, this, that. And then all of a sudden, what people are getting in strangers cars and now they're taking rides. And so, how you know, again, how how is Parsons reacting to this new way of doing things? Well, I think the, the good news is that, I mean, transportation has always been a problem. There's a certain benefit to that, is that, <laughs> right. as I like to say, concrete is tech agnostic. That if you look out on the street here, that curb still has the same geometry it's had since the Roman Empire. Right. And so it still behaves the same way. People still need to move. At the end of every trip, they have to walk somewhere. And so we're able to take what we know and understand about our operational environment and then say, okay, now how do we introduce new thinking to this? How do we look at connected vehicles? How do we look at autonomous? Yeah. Can we start to model the differences in what happens if you shift everything from bus to ride share? I mean, if I need to move 300 people, um, the street out here, I need 40 feet of curb and three buses. If all yeah. of those folks go to an autonomous vehicle or if they go to a ride share, that's like 280 cars. That yeah. 40 feet of curb isn't going to hold it. Right. But that's the part we know. We know civil engineering. We know transportation systems. We know mm. traffic engineering. So we can apply what we learn and we can build new models for how we can be framing that and how we can be building it out. It's hmm. interesting. Yeah, are you, are you ever, are you guys working with, um, are, do you see public and private working together, the sectors ever converging? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. we're seeing a couple different examples of how that's working. As I had mentioned, uh, we are seeing offices of innovation similar to what uh, LA Metro has right now. Uh, we are seeing more innovation challenges like uh, the US DOT Smart City Challenge was a good example of that and how that's evolved. Uh, where that challenge was framed around the idea of how will cities use connected vehicles to solve traditional problems with urban infrastructure. If you look at what Columbus, Ohio did, a lot of their position, their paper and their application was based on infant mortality. And they said, we have one census tract in Columbus that has the highest rate of infant mortality in the state of Ohio. So how do we address that? And they framed that as a mobility problem, hmm. where they said that if we can connect mothers and expecting mothers to the health systems they need, if we can help them purchase that bus ticket, if we can then notify the hmm. health the clinic they're going to, whether or not they're going to make it on time, you do all of that, you're solving that problem, and now you're building out this infrastructure that mm. you can now apply to other use cases. So a lot of what we're trying to do is see similar things in terms of an open architecture of how do we prepare our clients to be able to think in these terms? Mm. Which is, again, the biggest challenge is really just with trying to make sure things are equitable, things are uh, 
equitable, uh, transparent, and that it has the ability to evolve as we move forward. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest challenge right now is things are moving so fast. You don't want to be a mayor announcing that you just double down on Napster and then election time rolls around and here comes Spotify. It's like, right. And so as a result, we see several of our clients understandably are afraid to get on board that first wave and double down on it. Mm. So these offices of innovation, these pilot programs we're seeing uh, throughout North America are really helping in two ways. One, it's giving people something to interact with, to mm. then start building an opinion on not just a report or a white paper, but what's on the street and how's that working for them. And two, it's a generational issue with our clients where it's helping train people who have been in these traditional roles to understand this is how things might affect the work you're doing right now. And this is another way to look at that solution. Hmm. You know, when I was reading an article the other day, I, was, I, was, I saw an article on, they were cre they're creating now autonomous, I think they're autonomous drones. Mm -hmm. I, have, you, have you seen those at all and, and heard of those? Oh, there's multiple types out there. I mean, it's really, that's, drones are a good example of, the pros and cons of all of this. Like some of the freight carriers, the delivery services are now experimenting with, can they do it? I mean, we've heard about what Amazon's proposed with their drones. Absolutely. Uh, other folks are looking, all right, can we mount these on trucks? So in rural areas or in suburban areas, I don't have to drive all the way to the end of the cul-de-sac. I can complete that. And then you have the sidewalk drones as well, along with the delivery drones that are being proposed for grocery stores uh, in the streets. So that's a good example of the challenge we're having is that no one of those right now is the ultimate solution. Right. And we really don't have it well framed up. How should we be managing that uh, from an urban infrastructure and from a city perspective? How do we make sure our communities can adopt these things yeah. without being totally disruptive? I mean, bicycles and scooters are the same challenge we see where Folks have only now gotten their bicycle programs up to speed, and here come the e-scooters, here come the dockless bikes, right. and how do you manage that? Hmm. So it's interesting times. Oh, yeah, it is. So what do you see in the transportation industry? Where do you see that going in five, ten years, if you were to kind of envision that? I think what I expect to see... what. What's happened, and we've seen it over the last 10 years, is that a lot of cities aren't waiting for federal funding to be replenished for transportation. So they are coming up with their own referendums, their own funding sources, and they are, the cities that are doing that are now beginning to experiment to become incubators and say, we welcome new ideas because we have to figure this out. We have limited resources. And we see that the traditional approaches to transportation just aren't working. So I do think in the next five to 10 years, we'll see that expand. I don't think we're going to see any one silver bullet. Yeah. Whereas traditionally, if you look at the standards we have for highways, for railroads, those have been on the books for a hundred years and more in many right. cases. I think things are so nimble right now, we are going to see a lot more tinkering. And it's going to take probably 15 years before we come to a common understanding as to how these things can be synthesized. Um, the nice thing about the modern world is that we are seeing a much more diverse portfolio of services. And when we see that some of the major ride shares are starting to invest in bicycles, in scooters, in other technologies, rather than saying, no, you need to be in our car with our driver, 
that's making it much easier for us to all evolve and understand, okay, what works, what doesn't, rather than locking into one solution, being stuck with it for the next 50 years. Mm. The biggest challenge we have with cities, like I said, is that concrete is going to be there. It's tech agnostic. And once you make that investment, you're stuck with it for 50 years. Right. You look at what happened with the advent of the automobile and uh, the federal highway system, People's cities start to lock into, okay, we need off-street parking, which means we're wiping out buildings, we're wiping out neighborhoods, we're making things less livable. And here we are now, decades down the line, and we're still recovering from that. Mm. So I think it's to our advantage that we don't have one solid solution yet and that we aren't dictating from on high that this is how every city has to do it. I think we do have to experiment region by region. Places that have snow are going to have a different solution for autonomous vehicles than the deserts and the sunnier areas where they're being tested now. Different communities are going to have different opinions about the amount of data they're willing to share with companies. Different uh, agencies are going to have different dynamics as to how they want to be interfacing with the mm -hmm. private sector. We need that right now. Things are changing so dramatically that I think that trend will continue over five to 10 years. You'll see more cities experimenting. You'll see more people wanting their cities to experiment because they want their cities to start acting more like startups in terms of being responsive, in terms of being agile and giving them greater choice in how they get about their business. Mm. Yeah, no, and that's really interesting. You were making a note, I made a mental note as you're talking about you know, streets and concrete being there for years and years and years and mm -hmm. how that's really largely unchangeable, right? I mean, you right. put it down and it's there and we're seeing a lot of startups like Uber being able yeah. to, to adapt to the environment that's already put in place. But then you're starting to see people even go below the surface like Hyperloop, right? Mm -hmm. Or above the surface, like I was mentioning the drones. the drones. Furthermore, I've seen drones that carry people and oh, are yeah. transporting people. And so what do you think in, in the future, if we talk about the future, is it going to be a combination? Is there going to be, you know, do you think that one is better than the other? Or do you think kind of all of these combined is going to be a kind of a way that we get about our day? Transportation is an investment and any investment requires a diverse portfolio. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the one advantage we're seeing. Whereas in the 50s and 60s, we said, no, highways are the way to go. And all right, here we are now. You can't have a monoculture. You mm -hmm. have to allow for that variety. And people want choice for different trips in different parts of their life. They want different experiences. So I think we have to allow ourselves and our cities to evolve that way. Mm. So I, I think that's the trend we're going to go. We're not going to find that there are going to be days you want to take the Hyperloop. There's other days you're going to want to take a jet and there's other days you're going to want to drive. Depends on, uh, my family lives out east. And so, yeah, it's like sometimes we fly, sometimes we want to bring the dog, sometimes it's a, so you have choice. to, there, yeah, you have to make choice. sure that we can maintain choices and that we can maintain as level a playing field as possible so that no one is being isolated from the economy because there is only one choice available to mm. them. Yeah. And you know, you know, I was, um, I, my background is a little bit in Silicon Valley and I was working mm -hmm. next to a startup that was really fascinating that was they were really working on the solving the problem of, well, now that you have Uber, um, mm -hmm. a lot more people are taking Uber to and from things, right? Ride sharing oh, yeah. is a lot more popular. And with that, they were seeing out in the valley, they were seeing a decrease in the amount of usage of parking lots, which mm -hmm. is an interesting thing, right? So, oh, yes. And so they were talking about some innovative things about how are they converting 
those parking lots into usable things now that they're more open because more and more people are you seeing things like that too there's definitely a discussion i mean a lot there's a lot of discussion about what's happening at the curb in terms of how we're adapting and how we're adopting that if we're moving away from parking okay parking revenue is significant to many cities so how are you adapting your enforcement how are you evolving to allow for ride shares because people want them. It's not enough to say, no, you guys got to go to the other side of the airport. Well, guess what? If I'm in a town with two airports or if I'm in a region with three airports, I'll probably go to the one that makes it easier for me. So uh, it's it is the big challenge. And a lot of what we do here at Parsons is really about the way we talk about is that we help integrate new technologies into legacy infrastructure, right. to legacy systems. And that's probably the best way to think about a city. It's a collection of legacy systems. And it's not that they're bad systems. They've mm. worked, we're all still here. Right. But then, all right, how do we make them more nimble? Some things you can't, hmm. concrete you can't. We have clients that have wooden pipes. We don't have a lot of clients like that, but nonetheless, we have a lot of clients that they can't just say, all right, we're ripping everything out and right. putting in the next thing. So they are going to be slower adopters by need, but we can help show them a roadmap as to how mm -hmm. they can incrementally improve. So every time you rip up that roadway, okay, here's the different IoT solutions you may want to yeah. consider. This is how you may want to adapt things to provide for more space for bicycles or allow for a different curb configuration and new systems that allow you to monitor multiple things. So that's how we try to help our clients understand the world. That, all right, you don't have to just go for the big shiny object. You don't have to do everything at once. Mm. There's ways that you can adapt with it. And by setting up the right metrics and the right monitoring tools, you can make yourself much more open. You can basically become the operating system for the next smart city. Mm. So That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, cities are a lot harder to change. There's a lot more infrastructure. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's much more of a coral reef than it is a command and control system. Mm. I think a lot of folks are used to SimCity and the idea that, okay, one guy controls everything. It's like, <laughs> No, and you don't want that. I mean, yes. we saw that with the construction of the highway system. We've seen that in multiple cases where you want people to be able to adapt and evolve at their own pace. Right. That's what's going to give every city its own character and every community what it needs at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, no, that's interesting. We talked about some interesting topics of um, starting with the problem rather than focusing on the solution. Mm -hmm. Talked about retrofitting and, mm -hmm. and how that's really important, especially in, in you guys' industry oh, yeah. where you're trying to retrofit huge legacy infrastructure and make it more modern. So um, any other takeaways that you would give to the listeners of the, this podcast? I think the key thing I would offer is that when you look at innovation, again, it's important to focus on what are you trying to accomplish rather mm -hmm. than getting locked into a noun. And coming from a city planning perspective, it's important to understand both the physical as well as the digital infrastructure you're dealing with and understanding that dynamic as to how it's going to play out. That plays out in the world I work in in terms of architecture, engineering, and planning, but I do think it's something that tech innovators can take heed of to understand how simple enabling technologies they're providing can have a dramatic impact on how we build and, and create cities we live in. Mm. Well, awesome. I appreciate your time, Gibran, and yeah, Ooh, this has been another Ask an Innovator, and yeah, I'm looking forward to what Parsons is going to do in the future. 
So thank you very much. We appreciate this opportunity. Awesome. Thanks again. Sure thing. Thank you for listening to Ask an Innovator. Visit us on our website, www.askaninnovator.com. This podcast has been sponsored by City Innovation Labs.